Welcome to the Sailing Legends podcast, everybody. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I have a great guest with us today to talk about his sailing adventure. Joe Abisombra, I hope I got it right, um, is a really cool sailor. I've known him for a lot of years, and he's just got a cool vibe. So I invited him onto the show to talk about the lore, the lessons, the legends, things that make sailing important to him, for himself personally, and his family, um, and what it really means to him to be part of the sailing community. So Joe, welcome to the show and welcome to Sailing Legends. And I can't wait to hear all your stories. Thank you so much, Dan. This is really exciting. And, and I just want to note that we just reconnected after many, 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 many years of uh, having sailed together. And, and it's amazing how, uh, as we were just mentioning, we just reconnected and all these flashbacks of, of being on a boat on a J-35 sailing across the Tampa Bay. It was, it's just, you know, it, it's just remarkable how all those, all the sailing just connects with a memory, with a person, with a voice. It's really a powerful, powerful image. And so uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're so welcome. So share with us your first sailing experience, how did it even get started? Sure. Okay. So uh, for me, sailing is, is very much connected to my family, to my father. Um, my dad, when he was uh, uh, a kid, they would come for, um, uh, well, let me start with the fact that I'm from Colombia originally. And so I, I learned to sail in three different uh, places in Colombia. One was in the Pacific side. One was on the Atlantic side and one was in a lake about uh, 9,000 feet above sea level. And so we got, a, we got a very good education on different kinds of, of seas. And so my dad, when he was a, a teenager, he would uh, come to Miami from Colombia to do a summer course. And he started sailing, sailing snipes, and then went back to Colombia. And as a kid, he, he and, and my uncle raced a lot and a lot of... Uh, Went a lot of regattas and went to a couple world championships on snipes. And, um, and my dad prides himself in saying that he was a f he brought the first laser boat to Colombia. Wow! Uh, in the eleven thousand, yeah, uh, eight, uh, eleven thousand four hundred eighty three, I think was a sail number. And so this was, yeah, th this is the boat I learned to sail in. And so my my dad took me out once. I started sailing late. I was probably 12 years old. And this is in Buenaventura, a port town in, in on the Pacific coast of Colombia. As a port town, there are many, many, many big ships. Yes, <laughs> yes, big around. ships. <laughs> some big ships and uh, some big freighters coming around. And, and there I was with my dad on a laser sailing on the Pacific. You wouldn't see a whole lot of sailboats out there. It's all business. And here we are in a little laser. Uh, and, and, and it was just this, this mix of the peril of the sea, the, the, it was strong winds, big tides, big boats, <laughs> not necessarily friendly. You can't really see them. But then this, this connection with my dad, right. I was just, just, you know, very, very strong very uh it marked me for life because it, it was it's so intimate right you're on a, on a boat with the wind and then you know in a dinghy like a laser single-handed boat there you are with somebody else and then you feel you know i felt i was learning and protecting he was just so happy teaching me and he i was so dis i, I wasn't can't say i have a very good sense of orientation mm -hmm. and so all i remember was my dad telling me stay straight stay straight keep going straight 
because I would just move the tiller left and right and not, not even thinking, just in awe. And he made a song and made fun of me. And it was just all these amazing, amazing memories. Stay straight, stay straight. Yeah, yeah. So that's how, that's how I started sailing uh, in Buena Ventura. Um, and and the, the Pacific sailing, if, if you're an ocean sailor, the seas, or, or even on, on, on the sea, going to a lake was very different. In a lake, now you have very shifty winds, right? Yes. And, um, and then on, on the Atlantic. So um, what was really cool for me in my experience, sailing in different parts, was being able to connect to different communities in the sailing world, even in one country. And being able to compete. Now, competing is a whole other story. You, you know more than anyone how, how vibrant, passionate, and unique the experience is to, to, to go on a, on a regatta. And, and I, I think I was very, very, very uh, lucky. Because, for example, in Buenaventura, my first regatta, I, uh, we had a lot of support from the military base out there. And they actually brought these, I don't know the name of the ship, but that's where basically they would load a tank on these boats and, and, and drop them off for, for uh, disembarking on a, on a beach for whatever building. And they let us borrow them so that we could rig our lasers on the, on the floor of this boat, which is where they would normally carry tank or artillery or something like that. Wow. I don't think many people can say they've rigged a boat on a boat in, uh, in a military base. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll never forget that first regatta. Uh, the current was pulling so hard that we're going upwind round the mark and the first three boats went through. And then the, 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 the current pulled the buoy and the buoy was moving downwind faster than the three boats that had just rounded it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so imagine capsizing there if you're going upwind the boat's going backwards wow. <laughs> you don't do that. um so that 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 was very powerful but of course at, at 12 i wasn't a very good sailor i was just learning and getting getting into it but you know not, not many 12 year olds are sailing a standard rig on a laser um, no no and so I, I that made me a little bit special and and, and dangerous <laughs> <laughs> was it scary were you scared? Was it scary for you? Because, you know, lasers are, are very sensitive boats. Of course, when I was sailing lasers, mm -hmm. I'm old enough that, that there was only standard rigs and, and I'm short. And so it was a little tricky at first, you know, because I didn't have enough height really to hike a whole lot. If it got really windy and things like that, I had to find a different ways to navigate it. So did you ever have a time where you're going, Oh no, this is like crazy. Always. <laughs> always okay. always and i'll tell you when it's always it's 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 something new but it's so funny because to me it's very exciting to see the the kind of the peril of i'm going to capsize and and or I, I i'm hiking out so hard my entire body's outside of the, my quads are on fire and it's 25 knots i was in a regatta in in the um in oregon and the North Americans, maybe seven or eight years ago. And um, there were, it was 22 knots and I can see the gust of wind coming. And when you're hiking out for your life and you see the gust coming, you're like, oh my God, this isn't good. So yeah, those are the moments where there's a little bit of panic. <laughs> and you know, this laser is just gonna, gonna go for it. But you see the beauty is 
on one hand, this is going to happen. It's inevitable. You're going to get hit by this huge gust and you can't give any more. Your body's saying enough. You cannot. But you know that if you hike a little bit longer, you're going to be the guy next to you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get five inches on them and every inch counts. And so, so there's that, but, but overall it's this mix of, of it's stress, but it's good stress. It's not distress. Yes. Right. It's, it's not panic. It's, it's the, the <laughs> it's how to get that edge. And so that's exciting. Right. So it's exhilarating, you know, exactly. And yes. Thank you. Good work. It's yeah. got that exhilaration stress versus the ah, stress. Yeah, I mean, you, you see me smiling, telling the story. Of course it's <laughs> yes. You're laughing, telling the story. <laughs> right. It's, it's great. It's really, it, it's really helped me understand a lot of how I interact with the world today. I'd say um, from, from learning something to becoming disciplined to, to learning about my own uh, nature um, as a, as a human being. Um, and, and a lot of this has to do with competition, of course, when, um, when, when we started talking about, uh, our discussion today, I thought of one story that I want to share, uh, which was very important to me, uh, in, in a, in a nationals, we were, we were racing nationals in Colombia on a lake. And, um, I was, uh, among one of the favorites, to get the to win the at least the the junior sailor uh, nationals um, and we were my two other competitors. Uh, we had uh, we were going we were going pretty hard on the third second day, toe to toe the whole time and and I'd done well on one I came in the first three I placed in that one and I came back and I was very relaxed joking around, and the next race, I got my butt handed to me. I did terribly. I, I couldn't round the first mark well. I was just just completely thrown off my my concentration, my focus. And my dad tells a story. And, and that was the day he told me that he can't sail with me anymore because he had to stop sailing to watch me sail. He was so emotionally involved in seeing me overcome this. Uh, he saw that I was focused. Coming back down to the line, to the starting line, I wasn't talking to anybody. I was just quiet, sullen, and focused. And for the next start, I rounded the, the first mark first with my two other competitors less than a boat length behind. And as soon as I go, this was a, this was a, a triangle. And as soon as I get on that reach, um, I, I've, I'm flying. We get to the, to the jive mark. And I jibed and I'm nervous, but uh, sure enough, my, it, it came across and the boom hits the mark. So I have to penalize. And in my second turn, because the back then we had to do two turns, um, I, I capsized. Oh my. So now I've gone from first to eighth and I get back on that boat. And, and so I, like I said, I was 12 when I started sailing in, in uh, standard rig and I'm pretty tall. It's my, probably my only talent is I'm six, four. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I decide, you know, what the, the lake sailing, at least in the lake I sail in Columbia, usually you would get a pretty strong wind on the South side of the, of the, of where the, the, the race was. And so I just hit South so it's big risk, just went for it. And I'm hiking out with my life and I could see, the other seven boats on the other side, 
and the ones behind me just looking at me as soon as I tack, coming to the mark, they completely discounted me and I'm inching on them, inching on them. And I get to that mark just to finish on uh, the, the, the fourth leg, just third again, I caught up with them. And just that feeling alone, I ended up coming in second, but the feeling alone of recovery, perseverance, and, and so, so, right. So one lesson there was perseverance is just because you capsize, you can't give up. You have to keep going. You have to keep going and, and, and then taking risks, right? So I could have gone with the rest of the fleet and, you know, been on a carousel or, or, or taking a big risk, measuring it, taking it, going for it, went, went south and instead of uh, to the north side and, and it paid off. It may not have, but I felt like I had nothing to lose. And, and just that turning around I mean, and, 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 and coming in second and seeing <laughs> the face of fear <laughs> of the other ones coming in. I didn't end up winning the nationals that year, but I did, I did. Um, I, I won the junior ones, but, but that was, that memory sticks with me forever because my dad after it all told me how he, he could see how it, I had changed my demeanor and how it paid off. Mm-hmm. Well, because you dialed in, right? Right. And you have to make that choice. If you're going to be in the parade of boats going, then you're just going to be in the parade. It's not right. going to do anything. If you're, if you're really out to win, then you have to be willing to take those risks, yeah. calculated risks. And right. it wasn't like some random risk right. and be willing to go after it no matter what, which you did. That's right. That's right. And that, that's why those people all had those looks on their face. Like, Oh my God, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. had it happen with people on race courses. I've been on where somebody takes a flyer and they go way out that way. And it's like, either it's going to be really good. Right. Or it's going to be really bad, <laughs> you know, and I've seen it go both ways in dinghy racing and in, in a big boat racing. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, that's, great. So that's a great story. Well, yeah, no. So you, you competed in lasers as well. I um, mostly competed in four seventies and okay. I did some laser stuff, but I was too short. And so I, I found boats and then I got into like Santana's and our PT 30 and started racing boats where my height didn't work against me as much. Mm-hmm. My brother did a lot of laser competing more than I did. Okay. Yeah. And in Columbia, we, there were, at least when I sailed, there were about three or four main classes sailing. It was laser, sunfish. Right. Um, my brother still sails sunfish very competitively. Um, there were the snipes, the lasers too, try to make it, but they didn't quite. Uh, lightnings came in, there, were, there was a pretty big, but now Columbia has shifted for the most part to bigger boats. And by bigger, I mean J24s and Catalinas uh, in the 24 range. And um, so, so I, I sailed in Columbia, moved to the States, sailed with you out in Davis Island. Mm-hmm. And um, then I moved to, Lexington, Kentucky for five years and landlocked. And I hadn't been on a boat. I hadn't sailed in so long until moved to Gainesville a couple of years ago. And now I, we get, so this, this is fun. We get locked, locked down with um, the pandemic and the national Colombian sailing federation decided that they're going to start issuing virtual regattas with this app. And I, they were every weekend, there were about 50 sailors from Colombia in regattas, just sailing against each other on a 
virtual J70 or, or whatever it is. It was amazing. They did South Americans. I made it to the South Americans and then a transformer blew and I couldn't connect. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> this is virtual sailing. And what's amazing is it, it, it clicked again. And so I, I went down to Davis Island and I've been sailing with some folks down there and, and reconnecting. And that's how I reconnected with you. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it, I'm getting back into it. So during the time that we haven't connected, it's been, when was it? Uh, probably it's been 10, more than 10 years. And now I have four kids in those 10 years. And so I'm thinking, what kind of boat can I get my kids on? And so now I'm looking into following the same steps as, as my dad is in, in Colombia with the J24. And, and, and I got, I, I never really, really sailed much on J24. And then I, I did a Thursday night not too long ago. And that boat is so sensitive. Yes. Kind of, it felt, it felt very sensitive, like a laser. And so I feel very much, very, very comfortable in a J24 uh, of all the classes. And you know, now I have my own homegrown crew. <laughs> you sure do. You have, you have it perfectly done. So talk to us a little bit about um, sailing on the J35, because that's different than a J24 and certainly different than a laser. And so do you have any memories of that whole experience that you would like to share? Okay. Um, the most memorable and exciting moments of my sailing on the J35 were winning the nudes. Yes. You remember that? Yes. In St. Pete. Uh, I remember working really hard, as you know, with the laser, you're very physical. And so I, I remember just cranking to, to, to try to get the tax done really fast, very quick. Mm-hmm. But then it was at one point, it was three to five knots. Yep. And here I'm trying to crank really hard. And, and um, I, I sailed with you on Time Bandit with uh, uh, George Haney, who um, passed away recently. Um, and, and he would just, he, he mentored me a lot on the boat. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a lot of advice from him and he would just look at me and smile and, and, and laugh and say, calm down, Joe, it'll be okay. <laughs> and, and we won it. And, and uh, that, that was amazing. Always with George, a big smile, uh, being able to sail in the J35. I remember sailing an overnight regatta, mm-hmm. feet off the, 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 Feet, feet overboard, trying to keep the boat flat and um, kind of falling asleep because it's four or five in the morning and then get splashed in the face with water, cold water from the bay. Those are good moments. <laughs> and those are moments you can't repeat in any other real, you know, it, it's so unique to sailing and, and at that level and, and, and an overnight regatta. Those are some of the best memories I have. But most importantly, it was the people and the people on that boat were just like yeah, a family and a community and it, it, it felt so comfortable to be there, you know, because you're under the pressure of a race and, and you're competing for the same goal and you're all like-minded and we're all trying to do the work as one, you know, right. Right. if I'm making sense at all. You're making perfect sense. So what would be a lesson that you learned from the crew of that boat? Cause you're right. It was like one big family. Everybody was like humming along and, and so here you're, we're a small boat racer a lot. And then you run into this crowd and it's a pretty big crew because it's a pretty yeah. big boat and there's lots going on. And when you look at it, what kind of lessons did, did that family teach you? I would say first and foremost, hierarchy and management and communication. Um, and and I, I attribute a lot of the success on that boat to George 
he was a, a just such a strong, strong leader. Yes. And I think a lot of his leadership came from kindness and, and understanding. And, and to me, he was always so, so wonderful and generous. And, and like I said, he made me feel like part of the crew. Right. Um, and, and he, when, when things work out for me and I have, and, and I'm able to get the crew going, I, I want to be able to emulate that kind of peace that was on the boat and, and excitement and, and all like one. And so what was cool to see was how everybody respected uh, George and, and as it should be for any skipper, his word was his word, but there was just this, this understanding of hierarchy, understanding of a common goal and, and all within, within the realm of, of, of kindness and generosity and, and, and fun. Uh, I run my lab like that. So I'm a scientist right now and I, and I have a, my lab, we're about uh, eight, eight or nine people. And, and that's how I try. I try to emulate um, these, these lessons that I've learned from sailing uh, from my dad and, and, and how to manage the lab and, and trying to keep the humility, the, the, the good communication and, and establishing a fun community and environment. And that's a really good example of how lessons from the water or how we learn things on the water, we can translate into land. I always tell people that land is a four letter word and it's highly overrated. We should just like be on the water all the time. And so, <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, but when we can bring the, the water mm-hmm. into in onto land, whether it's in our profession or just in land in general, um, somehow it makes things better. <laughs> like it just has a better feel. And I think it's that kindness. And, and you're right, George was like the ambassador of all ambassadors as far as kindness and generosity and inclusion mm-hmm. and also extremely skilled and extremely oh, yeah. competent and no question about about that you yeah. know it, there was nothing random about his way and he made it look so easy <laughs> yeah. he was just so graceful just, yeah. yeah i remember one time sailing it on time bandit um john in the beginning when I first started sailing with him and we were out doing a Thursday night race and a squall line comes up and it's blowing and it wasn't blowing to start with. It just started getting windier and windier. And he's steering the boat with sitting there with his legs crossed. Like we're sitting in the living room and we're healing over water everywhere, the crew everywhere. And I'm sitting next to him trimming the main and I'm going, this is crazy. And I was laughing and he looked at me and goes, yeah, but you're having fun. Aren't you? We were just sitting there just laughing and having a blast as we're, as we're sailing along and, and rounding the mark and, and everything. And, and I'm like, you know, because he's so competent and knew the boat, like it was another appendage, it made even those kinds of kind of wild situations, exhilarating and fun instead of like, Oh no, now what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, I'll, I don't think the, to, we touched on this and uh, you asked me earlier, is it fear? I don't think fear is the right word. It, it is exhilaration, but there's a, a, a very strong sense of respect. Yes. You learn to respect the environment, the strong wind, the, everything, respect everything. And, and, and in that respect, there's control. You can control the boat in many ways. And so the more, I don't know, I, I feel that the more I know the boat, the more I feel one with the boat, the more I can handle the pressure. But yes. there's certainly respect. There's a lot of respect for for 
for the ocean. Right. Like I was, my parents both taught my brother and I how to sail and it was all about respect for the elements, for the water, for the wind, for the other boats, for everything. And if you're not respecting, then that blind side can get you. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely about respect. So is there, is there a moment when you reflect back on all of your different sailing adventures where there's a part of you that just wants to crack up laughing, like at the calamity of something, you know, like, cause when we're competing and doing things, it's like, it's intense and it's this and it's that, but sometimes there's just the calamities where you just look back and go, Oh my word. <laughs> Do you have any of those moments in your life? Oh, calamities many. Yes. I've, uh, I've, I've ripped, let's see one. I, I can tell you every, it, it just sounds like a bill. It's so expensive. I've ripped a mast apart. I've ripped a sail I've ripped uh, a centerboard once, believe it or not. Wow. And yeah, in Cartagena, uh, there's the uh, Boca Grande and Boca Chica. And so there's the big mouth or, or the small mouth. And so what, they, what they've done is entering a bay in Cartagena in Colombia. There's, uh, I'd say, the uh, kind of a, a rock formation, a collera. And so if you capsize there, if you, even a laser, I completely capsize it and the mask gets stuck at the bottom. So I'm trying to pull it over and I bring it back and only half the mast came in with the dangling sail. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel bad. I'm, I'm a kid, my dad's gonna pay for that. He's not gonna be happy with me, but, um, but yeah, that was, that. that's one of the many, many things that I break, um, that I would break, let's see. Um, in, I sailed in 1997 in the laser worlds in Algarrobo in Chile. And Bogotá, as I said, the lake is close to me, was, uh, is 9,000 feet above sea level. And so we would sail with a spring suit, you know, just a mm -hmm. wetsuit. It's a little chilly and uh, a windbreaker or something. When you sail on the Pacific down in Chile, it's cold. And I didn't realize how cold it was. And by now, I think a lot of the stories that I've told you about my calamities, that I, it sounds like I'm more on, on, capsized in the water than actually sailing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll remember that I was between races. It's cold. I'm kind of hiding under in, inside the, the cockpit from the wind. It's freezing. And I see a penguin. <laughs> I see a penguin. And I realized, okay, if I now I, it's justified, this is freaking cold. cold. <laughs> so that's one of the most bizarre interactions I've had <laughs> on the boat. Yes. Oh my word, that's hysterical. Because see, I go ahead. My my most of my time is in Florida or warmer climates, yeah. and so I could only imagine seeing a penguin. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. It, yeah, it was it was very surreal. My brother had talked to me about sea lions because he he sailed in, um, in in Seattle around Seattle, so you know a whole other marine life. But yeah, it's cold. It can be cold and and unexpected. If, if you know sailing in Florida again, I'm not used to the cold water either, so it can be uh, traumatic. <laughs> right, exactly. So you have four children. Yes, and. Um, it sounds like you're going to have a J24 to, to help groom them on. Um, That's right. In Florida, and so have that. Have they all been sailing with you yet, or are, or where are where are you with their sailing journey? Okay, great. So yes, my, my you know, it, 
I've learned so much from sailing as, as I've mentioned here already and, and the lessons for life. And I, I certainly, as it was a tradition in my family to learn passing it from my dad to me, I certainly wanted to do the same for my kids and offer them the same opportunities that I had. Um, Gabrielle is my oldest, she's eight. And uh, I'm hoping to get her sailing on Optimus this summer, um, but slowly, slowly getting them onto the, the J24 if we can over the summer, that's the goal. I'm not sure exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm terrified of, of um, putting them through too much stress at first. I want them to learn to love it. But I think the first time that they're on the boat in a race, I'll get to see their true nature and how much they're really gonna to take to it. Yes. Uh, the, uh, the, the other ones are, the next one is Miguel, he's six. Uh, he's not ready for an optimist yet, maybe he is. Um, he's getting there. Well, you were six when you won your first regatta, isn't that right? Yep, yes. Yeah. I've been sailing since, I can't remember not sailing. So I'm probably four, something yeah. like that. Like that was before they were opties, they were prams in and they were wooden. And my parents had their, my parents' first date was on a sailboat. So they, they were sailing yeah. forever. And, and we, our boat was docked in Dixon's Marina in Sarasota. And there was like a little alcove and Bernie Dixon who owned the Marina had a wooden old wooden pram. Mm -hmm. and they didn't even call them opties then. And they just put my brother and I in it and pushed us off and said, find your way back. And he just told my mom and dad, he goes, they can't go anywhere. I mean, you know, there's a beach all the way around. And we figured out our way back. And then the rest is history because we took to it right away and we loved sailing. So um, we, we had family boats where we raced boats with our whole, all four of us on it all the time growing up. Let, let me ask you something. You know, I, I, I want to get your opinion on something here. So. Sure. One thing is sailing um, for, for winning a regatta mm -hmm. on a race, and th there's a very clear objective and a goal. Mm -hmm. What drives you to sail when you're not racing? What is it that you look forward to? What is it? What's, can you put some, your finger on it? Is there something mm -hmm. tangible for you? What is it? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Well, if, I, if I'm delivering a boat or just sailing and not racing, there's a part of me that kind of races myself mm -hmm. and, and not, and as in speed, but as in good boat trim being connected to the boat, it's the spiritual part of it that really drives me. Like, that's why I love night racing. Like when the, when it's the middle of the night, if the whole crew falls asleep and I'm steering, I don't care as long as somebody's around to help me trim because I'm connected to the water and the stars and the energy of it all. So for me, it's very spiritual and I love to be connected to the elements. And so for me, when I'm connected and the boat's trimmed out well, and it, and it, she's just cruising through the water, it's like sailing in champagne and it's beautiful. And there's nothing more exquisite to me than that experience. And so Anytime I'm on the boat, that's just what I'm thinking about. Even when I'm out to win a race and I'm racing boat of the year or racing the news or something, and it's full all out competition and everybody on the boat is dialed in on that level. And um, to me, that's equally as fun as getting on the boat and just feeling her and just being in it. What makes it not fun for me is when the boat's not in trim or it's stalled or it's, it, it, it doesn't feel in her groove because of whatever reason that, that I, I will seek to find the groove. I mean, there've been times where I've been off watch on ocean races and come up because the boats 
I could feel it stalling, you know, and I'm like, no, we have to be in the groove. But, but I love everything about it. Um, I was really fortunate that both of my parents really, we, we, we took all our vacations on our boat. Yeah. They tried to do a road trip vacation. My brother and I mutinied say, we won't go in the station wagon anywhere, but we will go on the boat. <laughs> and, uh, and we won. We won. Nice. And, uh, nice. and yeah. so, you know, it, to me, it's just that way. It's this, so there's a beauty and a spirit to it all. That's just. It's hard to turn it off, isn't it? I don't, I don't ever turn it off. Right. It's, it's, you get on it and it's, it's like an old, I don't know, like an old friend, like you're with. Right. Well, when I was, when we were younger, one of the things my parents did with us and, uh, and I still do it. And I think my brother still does too, actually, is we were taught that no matter where you are on land or whatever you're doing, always know, be able to judge wind speed. Now this, I learned how to sail like a half a century ago. So there weren't all this, there wasn't as much technology. There were not streamers on your head sole to know if the, the, if the flow is right. You had to know, you had to, uh-huh. you had to feel it and see it. And so we learned very young, feel that wind. What uh, If you were on um, a Santana 525, or if you were on a J35, or if you were on a Swan 48, or if you were on a laser, how would the boat be trimmed? And so I'm always thinking about it. If I'm walking across a parking lot or I'm in North Carolina right now and I went outside yesterday and the wind was blowing about 17 knots and doing this. And I knew the wind direction, wind speed and what I would have up on whatever boat, depending on what it was, lake sailing, or if you were someplace where there was more sea and it's naturally in my brain that way. And, and they trained us that way um, when my brother and I, when we were younger and and I just think it's in my DNA, just like I went to the University of Florida and I say, I bleed orange and blue. Yes. I am, I think I've salt water in my veins. It's just part of me. Yes, you know? uh, that completely resonates with me. And I think with a lot of people and it's hard to explain, you've done such a beautiful job of explaining that, just yeah. telling people, yeah, you know, I'm a sailboat and they think, oh, and go and do everything but sail it's it's hard to explain oh well we can bring us a fishing pole and we can you know get a drink and we can no no no. let's let's go sailing it's hard to explain that right i i was i was teaching i was talking teaching a class the other day and i was like i remember when i was really young my mom um, we had a freer's 30 first before we had our pt and um she would put two fingers her index finger and her middle finger on the tiller and say, if you have to use anything more than this to steer, the boat's not balanced. And she would do this and it was our responsibility to sort out the sails to make it so the boat was balanced. And I always remember that. And when I've helped new boat owners and or people racing and they're wanting me to help and they're grabbing the helm and there's a bunch of Lee helm or a bunch of weather helm and the boat's not tuned properly. I'm like, well, let's start there. If you can't steer it with two fingers, in regular wind, of course, then there's something up. Right. And so we learned some of those exquisite things from, from our parents. My mother was, you know, a navigational genius. And so I learned weather and navigation from her. And, but it, it's, I could think of that. I still hear it. I still hear their voices, my, especially my mom's voice with some of these things. And, and it's, and it's paid off over the years, you know, it's that tradition that keeps going down where, there's a reverence and a respect and an honoring of all of it coming together. And we get to be this beautiful participant in it. Yeah. You know? 
And when you understand how difficult it is to, to tune a boat to every control, I mean, on a laser, it's one sail and five controls, basically. You have a, right. And now I'm, I'm learning what a backstay actually is. And <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and how the tension on the halyards and what about this and the shrouds of the stays and blah, blah, blah. There's so many things. And, and I remember many people going sailing with me especially when I was in high school, because we had a real high performance boat. And, and um, they're like, oh, it's easy. You know, you just lay around and do all this. And I'm like, no, actually, sailing is a quite dangerous sport and takes a lot. And more than once, I've took different guys I was dating out sailing and they couldn't hold, couldn't hang. And, uh, and they're like, oh, my. I went, it's a lot to it. And, and uh, you develop respect. Yeah. The power and the strength and the finesse and the teamwork. And, you know, when you're at sea and other people are on the boat with you, your life is in their hands, just like their life is in your hands. Right. You know, so that's what's so fun about it, though. That's right. Yeah, I, I would take I, I would try to show off to the girls that I was dating uh, when I was sailing and get them on a laser and, and do a, a really fancy roll tack and and. You know, and so at one point I, I would take duct tape and name the boat. I, I would put their name on the boat because that's what I named my laser. There was so much duct tape on the back of that boat. <laughs> Everybody thought it was it was it was such a joke in the lake, just making fun of me for, for trying to name my boat. I was the only the only one trying to show off. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> So are there any other sailing stories that you want to share before we, we close the show? I love the stories. I, I love well, listening to you. I'm really, I'm really excited to see what the stories that my kids are going to tell and how they're going to make fun of me. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I just want to say how fortunate I have been to been able to be a sailor. Mm-hmm. Where I learned to sail, the different conditions that I've learned to sail in, and just the different communities with whom I've been able to share this, this such a special, uh, such a special experience being part of a community in, 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 in different languages. I mean, I can't tell you half the parts of a boat in English, I can tell you in Spanish. <laughs> I'm looking at, I have a dictionary pulled up on a website on, on how to, what, what the guy is in, in, in Spanish, you know, <laughs> but, um, but that, that's the beauty of it. Even, even, even in, in, one thing that was always fun for me in, in the in the worlds was walking down the beach when everybody's ringing their boat and they're speaking a different language every 10 feet. And we don't speak the same language. We don't have the same, our cultures are completely different, but we have that one love and passion, exhilaration, mm-hmm. respect for something. It's something so primal right? And, and shared by all of us. And that's, I think, why it's difficult for me to explain um, that that's just truly remarkable about this sport and, and this way of life. I, I would love to leave with that such, you know, positive influence on my life and, and understanding how these things have impacted me. That, that's beautiful because it's, it's so, it's connecting on such deep levels that there, there are no words for it because it transcends language, culture, and everything. It's just... That's right. Like you said, primal. 
So thank you, Joe, for being on the Sailing Legends podcast. What fun hanging out and chatting with you about things and, and learning about some of your sailing adventures I didn't know about yet. So thank you. Thank you very much, Dan. This is so much fun. And, and I hope to stay in touch with this and many more stories. I'm sure I'll remember more sh- fun stuff to share with you. Right. And we can always do another episode <laughs> or just share them casually at the club. So everybody, you've been listening to Joe Abisambra from, um, he's in Gainesville, but he's a member of Davis Island Yacht Club and going to be introducing his kids to J24, but he's also a champion in lots of other ways and a really cool guy. So if you're ever around Davis Island, go look him up because he's really fun to sail with. And until the next episode of Sailing Legends, remember that when you respect and love the water and the sea and the families that we create around them, your life can only be enhanced. So if you're curious about sailing, go find some of us. We'll introduce you to the sport. If you're already a sailor, honor your stories and honor the lessons and the lore and the legacy that you're creating. Until next time, be well.